Good morning. Welcome to summer in the Upper Peninsula. It don't get any better than this, people. You better just you you better just grab it while you can and enjoy it. But it is beautiful. What a fantastic day today. And uh, it is great to be with you. We're in a series called Uncommon, and today I want to share a message called Uncommon Strength. And let me start by asking you this question, how do you measure strength? How do you measure strength? You see, this is important to us. We, we, do you understand how deeply ingrained the idea of, of the importance of being strong is in our lives? When our little boys sit at the table and refuse to eat green beans or broccoli, we ask them a question. Don't you want to grow up and be strong like dad? Do we not? How many of you are guilty of, I mean, I've said it. I, I'll do anything to get a kid to eat, okay? So, so we, 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 we ingrain this idea of the importance of strength. For some of us, we, you know, we, we look at the gym and we see the guy that's benching uh, 300 pounds and we say, that's strong. Or the guy that deadlifts 500 pounds, that's what it is to be strong. We have this concept of what strength really is. And today, I really want to challenge what we think. I really want to challenge what we believe strength is as it relates to our Christian lives because I believe that God wants us to understand something. And I want to use the idea of a paradox today to challenge this notion of strength. What is a paradox, and how does it relate to uncommon strength? Here, let me give you a couple of examples of a paradox. Nobody goes there, it's too crowded. Just let it sink in. Nobody goes there, it's too crowded. Don't go near the water until you learn to swim. Just let it sink in. Let it sink in. Uh, how am I going to learn to swim if I don't go near the water? That's what a paradox is. It, it sounds good initially, but then it, sort, you know, it can sort of break down a little bit as we, as we look at the logic of it all. I want us to learn about some paradoxes because Paul gives us something that sounds like it, it should be a paradox in Philippians chapter 2 when he's talking about Jesus and about us. And he said, beginning in verse 5, he said, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Today I want to look at three different paradoxes of strength. If I um, kind of feel a cough coming on, I'm going to reach down and turn off my mic. Just like that. All right. Paradox number one is strength through weakness. Strength through weakness. 
I'm sure, I'm, I didn't expect a lot of amens on that one, you know? Yes, pastor, preach it. Weakness. We want strength through victory. We want strength through might because might is right. I mean, we just, we just feel, I mean, we want to do that Tim the Taylor tool man growl grunt when we hear stuff like that. We believe in winning through strength. We believe in victory through strength. Those things are, are in our minds are compatible. One of my favorite movie characters of all time is Nacho Libre. And he said, I want to win. That's what it is. We, wanna, we want to be strong. We want to win. We want to have victory. We can't comprehend strength coming through anything other than victory. We can't think of strength coming through weakness. The Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, he says this, But thanks be to God who gives us the That was a letdown. Who gives us the victory? Yeah. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We love the idea of victory coming through strength, not through weakness. I mean, let's talk about how not to try to motivate an army. Let's go out there, boys, and let's be weak. Yay, great, we're going to die. <laughs> no, that's, that's not how we do it in this world, right? We can't comprehend that. But I want you to understand something as we look at the scripture. Jesus, Paul said, made himself strong, right? Made himself victorious, right? Made himself weak, made himself nothing. Made himself. He did it. He did it. He made himself nothing. The creator of the universe has become like one of his creations. Let me just drive this home, okay? We think of Jesus. He, he spoke and he hung the stars, okay? That Jesus, all right? Here's how weak he was. He didn't just become a baby. He became an embryo inside Mary. He was completely dependent upon her physiological system feeding him and allowing him to develop for nine months in pregnancy. Come on. Boy, that's, that doesn't sound like the creator of the world to me, but he made himself the smallest possible thing that he could be in all of humanity. When he was born, he was completely dependent upon his parents for nurturing, for feeding, for everything that he needed. He depended on them in order to receive it. He made himself nothing. John chapter 1 and verse 11, it says he came to that which was his own, meaning humanity, but his own did not receive him. Humanity did not even accept him. This does not sound like a recipe for how to show strength. 
then you might ask yourself, if I am to be weak, how can I ever be strong? Because weakness is the exact opposite of strength. How in the world can we ever become strong if we're supposed to go through weakness to get there? Jesus answers a, a prayer request that Paul has in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 19. Paul's been praying about this thorn in the flesh. And he said he prayed three times and three times God answered him. And look at this verse. Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, look at this, is made perfect in weakness. It doesn't say my power and your power together. See, that's nacho. That's what nacho libre believes. My strength plus your, your strength in the ring, that's how we're going to win. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that my strength plus your weakness, that's what real strength is. My strength is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. We don't usually boast about our weaknesses. We usually boast about our strengths. We boast about our accomplishments. Comedians talk about their weaknesses. But we don't brag about those things. He said, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The more we are in connection with our own weaknesses, the more Christ's power can rest upon us. This seems totally backwards to our culture. In fact, what's one of our favorite scriptures in all the Bible? One of our favorites. Paul said it in Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who gives me what? Strength. We love that. You know why? It says, because I'm going to win. There's victory. I'm going to win. And we see ourselves in the equation as part of the strength equation. I can do all things through strength, through Christ who gives me strength. We really should say it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because I don't have any on my own. In fact, the context in which Paul said, I can do all things is because he said, I have learned to be content with very little or nothing and with much. This was not something he was talking about how strong he was and how much he could accomplish. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus said, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The cross is not a picture of strength. The cross is inevitable. That death is inevitable on the cross. Historians tell us that no one has ever survived crucifixion. Death is inevitable with the cross. Even those that were taken off early did not survive the cross. Death is inevitable. It is not a picture of strength and how much the, the human condition can endure. It means death. The paradox is when we are weak, that we get strong. Paul said, I delight. I delight in weakness. So this first paradox of strength is that, that we are going to be strong 
through weakness. The second paradox is this, strength through surrender. Again, it seems completely backwards. Um, Paul would not have written a successful uh, military handbook. Wouldn't have done it. Because we all know that surrender is the last thing that any military should do. But strength comes through surrender. That's the paradox. It's completely backwards to our minds. Philippians chapter 2 again, our text, verse 6. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus surrendered the advantage of his deity. He gave it up willingly. He gave up that advantage. The paradox is that if I surrender my advantage, I lose. This morning I was thinking about that and I remembered as a kid growing up, my brother Dan and I both played tennis and once in a while we would play each other and if you've, if you've got into tennis, you might know this, but a left-handed player has an advantage over a right-handed player because of the way the tennis court is set up. Because that, the serve from a left-handed player flares out much wider. And my brother never understood that. He could have beat me because he was left-handed and physically we were close enough and, and had about the same ability. Why would you ever surrender an advantage? You wouldn't, because we want to win. I remember when a certain uh, assistant pastor was a, 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 a young child, and we would play basketball in his bedroom. And, we, and I'd be on my knees, and we would play, and, and we would have a great time, and, and, I, and we would, I'd let him shoot, and he would score, and then I would score, and we'd keep it really close until the very end. And then I had to just, I, I don't know, I was terrible. I'm a bad parent. I would have to win, okay? I would have to win. Why? We want to win. And when you're five, four and a half in basketball, you don't win all that often, okay? So you're looking for it where you can find it. Why would we want to give up that? Because if I surrender, then I'm subservient. That doesn't sound very attractive. Subservient. That doesn't sell in America. Subservient. I mean, even our flags in the past have said don't, things like don't tread on me. That doesn't sound very subservient. So how can I gain strength if I subjugate myself? Look at verse 8 of, of Philippians chapter 2. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Not only did the creator become like the creation, the son of God literally put on human flesh, made himself nothing. He totally, I, I would even go beyond humbled himself compared to who he was before he became a man, humiliated himself. Humiliated himself. I mean, there are things that babies do that we don't do that if we did, we would feel humiliated. Okay? I'm, just think about it. Jesus willingly did that. 
born into poverty, a manger for a bed. Why would Jesus do something like this? Why would he do that? And then why are we asked to do it? And how can we ever hope to gain strength through surrender? How is this even possible? Look at what Paul says again in Philippians chapter 2 at verse 9. Therefore, I want you to, if you have your Bible, I want you to mark that word therefore. Or if you're taking notes, circle that word therefore. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word therefore means because of the fact. Because of the fact that Jesus made himself nothing. Because of the fact that Jesus became obedient to death, even the death on the cross, which was the Father's plan. Because of that, God exalted him. You see, when we... When we are in obedience to God, when we are in obedience to Christ, and we surrender to him, God does something. Excuse me. Jesus surrendered. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Surrender is something that we don't, we don't want to be familiar with. James chapter 4 and verse 7, James says, Submit yourselves then to God. Did you know that Christianity is a call to surrender? It's a call to surrender your, your will. It's a call to surrender your rights. It's a call to surrender your life. It's a call to surrender your past, your failings, your present, your future. It is a call to surrender it all to God. And Jesus was the example. Jesus showed it, us what it was to live a life of surrender. Surrender is a battle term. It means stop resisting. It means submit to authority. Before salvation, do you understand that we were God's enemy, Scripture says? And it's only when we come to a place of surrendering to him that we become his friends. Surrender implies giving up our rights to the conqueror. It means to lay down arms. It means that the victor takes control. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we surrender to God, we win. When we surrender to God, we we grow stronger in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Strength comes through surrender. And it doesn't make sense to us. Thirdly, we have this paradox called growth, strength through growth. You say, how is this a paradox? I'll, it's a paradox because we're impatient. I, 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 that's me. I'm, that's, I'm saying that. Growth takes time, and there's no guarantee of what the outcome is going to look like. It takes time. It's difficult. It's difficult. 
I, I, a few years ago, we'd, we'd probably have lived in Marquette for almost 15 years, and I had to go back to Erie, Pennsylvania for a, um, for a funeral. And we used to live about a mile and a half from uh, the church there, and I decided that I was going to go for a run while I was there, and I wanted to run through the old neighborhood mainly so that I could just see the house. And we built that house, and I, I planted all the, the, uh, all the plants, all the landscaping. I had a great time doing it, loved doing it. And I remember when we planted it, I remember thinking, this stuff is so small. This stuff, it's just, it's so underwhelming. It, it's, it's like, there's not enough of it. But what do you do, you know, you, you, you don't buy um, fully mature plants. You, you buy the stuff that's what you can afford. And if you're buying a lot of it, you're buying small stuff, okay? So 15 years later, I went back and run, ran through the neighborhood. It was a jungle. The house was completely overwhelmed. I, I said, I planted that Christmas tree right off the edge of the house. What in the world was I thinking of? That thing dominates the whole corner of the house. Why would I have done? I wasn't taking into consideration that in 15 years, the thing would grow 10 feet. Growth takes time. And when we do something and allow it to grow in time, it's very powerful. If you cut down a tree, that's one of the rights. It's a birthright in the UP to cut down trees. I completely support this. You cut down a tree and you look inside that stump. What do you see? You see rings. And those rings represent years of growth. You can count how many years that tree has been in existence by those number of rings. It's growth. But we don't look at a tree in our yard and say, man, that, wow, I can just feel the growth. No, it, it takes time. It seems like it doesn't change. But then all of a sudden we realize that it's grown. Repeated action causes growth. I started out talking about the person that benches 300 pounds, okay? You see that guy in the gym, okay? You know, you know the guy that I'm talking about in the gym? You know that guy? You know how he got there? It's because he's been lifting over and 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 over again. It is repeated action that has led him to become stronger. And that's what it is in our relationship with God as well. Repeated action. The paradox is I want it now. I don't want to have to do all these things. I want it now. That's, that's why there's performance enhancing and drugs in sports, because we don't want to wait. We want it now. We want it instantaneously. Well, let me tell you, as we look at the life of Jesus, we're going to see that even in Jesus' life, he demonstrated growth. Let me show you a few things. First, it was the process of growth. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. It says, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. The Greek denotes it's a continuous process. From the time Jesus was young, he was growing. Not, not just, oh, he's taller this year than he was last year. But it was a continuous process of growth. He grew in wisdom. He grew in grace. 
And he kept growing stronger. He kept growing wiser. Pardon me. So let me ask you this question. What areas do you need or do you want to grow in in your life? Are you willing to grow at all in your faith? Are you, are you willing to grow at all? Are you planning to grow? Are you, are you doing? Growth is uncomfortable. Growth is inconvenient. If you're going to grow in any area of your life, you must admit now that you need to do something that you are currently not doing. That's the only way growth happens. So if we're going to be able to grow, we've got to be willing to get uncomfortable. We've got to be willing to be inconvenienced. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love you have for one another is increasing. So here's the question. Are you willing to grow? Are you continuing to grow? Or are you the same spiritually as you were when you first came to Christ? We need to grow. Next is this plan for growth. Not accidental, but it's intentional. Luke 2.52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. The bottom line is this. Jesus grew mentally. He grew physically. He grew spiritually in his relationship with God. And he grew relationally with other people around him. Jesus grew in every area of his life. It's like there was a plan. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We should become mature in Christ. We should be growing. We should have a plan in order to do that, in order to grow. What does your growth plan look like? What does it look like? Some of us have, we have growth plans professionally, but not spiritually. Some of us have growth plans relationally, but not spiritually. Some of us have growth plans physically, but not spiritually. What does your growth plan ultimately look like? Next is there are practices of growth. Luke chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, it says, After three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them asking and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus was 12 years old when this took place. Jesus was already asking questions. He was already growing in his life. And he put himself in a place where he could grow. Malcolm uh, Gladwell, who wrote a book called The Outliers, he said in order to become an expert at something, you need to do it. You need to have intense practice for 10,000 hours or 10 years. If you're going to really become an expert, growth requires practice or practices, certain practices in our lives that we do over and over again. That's how ultimately we grow. First Peter chapter two and verse two, Peter said that we should grow up in our salvation. Are we growing up in our salvation? And finally, 
We need to understand those purposes of growth. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus said to his parents, Why are you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? The King James says, Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Jesus understood what his purpose was, the reason why he needed to grow in these areas in his life. Do we understand the purpose of spiritual growth in our lives? I love Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, where he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I believe God would not have had Paul write that if it were not possible, that we can grow strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. We can do it. We, we don't have to just sit there and say, well, you know, I really can't grow spiritually. No, we can, and we should, and we are called to, and indeed we must. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That power is dunamis. It is miracle working power and it's in you. Friends, we can grow strong. In fact, we are called to do it through weakness. It doesn't make sense. We're called to grow strong through surrender. Doesn't make sense. We are called to grow strong by growing. Don't have the patience. And that's where it is. And we have a choice to make. We have a choice. I can choose to grow in my faith, or I can choose to sit here and say, you know what, I'm just going to sort of be the same. I'm just going I'm, I'm to stay static. I'm going to stay where I am. Friends, in life, growth is where the excitement is. Growth is where the beauty is. And we are called to grow strong. Yep, it's a paradox. Because Jesus said, the scripture says, we, we grow strong through weakness. No, who, what soldier would sign up for that if that were the military's theme? Come on, grow strong with us through weakness. There would be no one in the military at all. But Jesus turned everything upside down. His whole kingdom completely turned their lives upside down. We are called to grow strong in him. Would you stand with me? Father, I, I thank you for this challenge of your word. Because I believe that you are calling men and women to uncommon strength. I believe that you're calling men and women within the sound of my voice, whether they're out in the hub or here in the sanctuary or if they're in the wiggle room or they're watching online right now, you are calling men and women and young people to uncommon strength, but you're not doing it the way the world does it. And God, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would begin to challenge hearts that your Holy Spirit would begin to move in us and that you would begin to impress upon us, I'm calling you to become strong. And I'm calling you to do it not your way, but my way. Not by working out, but by surrender. By understanding that when you're weak, then you are strong. Father, I pray right now for those within the sound of my voice, 
that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak that. You are calling us to become strong through growth. And God, I pray. I pray that as your Holy Spirit is speaking that to our hearts, that we will say, yes, God. Yes, God, I say yes. This morning as we close, I simply want to pray for you. If you feel God uh, nudging your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, and he's saying, I want, I want to call you to uncommon strength. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Slip your hand up if that's you. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks around you. If that's you, God is calling you to uncommon strength. God, you see these hands that are raised all the way from the right to the left, all the way from the front to the back. God, you see these hands. You are calling people today to uncommon strength, but you are calling them in unconventional ways that the world does not agree with. You are calling us through weakness, surrender, and growth. God, we say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray.